Hi, I'm Dr. Rosalind Beer, and you're listening to Further with Founders. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking to business founders within the Further Network. They'll be telling me about their journey so far, the highs and the lows, the bootstrapping and the funding rounds, the business challenges and the human stories. The guest on this episode is Angus Short. Inspired by his wife's health journey, he launched a groundbreaking tech device. Enjoy the chat. Okay, I'd like to welcome Angus Short, um, CEO and founder of um, Food Marble, and also John Phelan, expert in all things uh, investment and funding. So um, Angus, just to start off, uh, can you talk to us about your background um, in terms of your academic career, but also in your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Roz. Um, yeah, for me, it kind of comes back to, uh, I'm from, a, 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 you know, I've from an academic point of view, from an engineering background, so I did mechanical engineering in, in, in college, followed by, I did a PhD in electrical engineering. Um, and uh, yeah, so kind of coming out of that then, I um, I got offered a position doing kind of a machine learning role in a sort of kind of data scientist in a, a startup in Dublin called Electroroot. And um, it's actually kind of while I was there that I... Uh, I started Food Marble um, originally. Okay, so talk to me about then your your journey. So I love the way you just pattered that off. I had a degree, I did a PhD. It's kind of like, no, <laughs> someone, somebody who's done a PhD themselves, it isn't just that easy. So um, in terms of Food Marble, let's, let's go back a little few steps in terms of the journey. So that wasn't your first foray into an entrepreneurial sort of venture. Now talk to me about yourself and your brother in your teens. I think uh, there was a story I heard about you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've, you know, I've had a few entrepreneurial kind of adventures along the way, but, you know, it kind of one of the one of the early things was um, I was very interested in what was happening with, with the Internet. Kind of this is when I was about, you know, 14, 15. Um, and I started to kind of, on, you know, um, just teach myself how to kind of build websites and to code and all that stuff. And I set up a, a small company with my, my brother uh, at the time. Um, and I was basically, uh, as it worked, it worked out pretty well. We had like, you know, five or six kind of companies we built websites for, but, uh, um, I realized quite quickly that my role was to do all the work and my brother's role was to, you know, take all the money. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) he did well out of it. (laughs) He did did well. But yours was a learning experience. Yeah. I learned so much and I took that forward to, you know, what kind of like, you know, when I was deciding, okay, what am I going to do in college? And I initially started off, um, to do computer science. So, uh, I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to bring this a bit further and understand a little bit more about kind of how to build things from a technology perspective. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I came in with quite quite a lot of knowledge. So I did a year of it and, you know, I did well, but I decided, okay, I'm going to shift gears uh, because, you know, I want to I do something that, you know, I'm not going to just, like, a, you know, you're not going to, I switched over to engineering and you're not going to do engineering off your own bat. And, and you know, I felt kind of that could, that could broaden my skill set. So that's kind of how I, I transitioned uh, over over to that side. And, uh, you know, it's interesting kind of looking at Food Marble, so many of the skills I picked up along the way, whether that be kind of um, the kind of computer programming stuff from an early early age, 
true to kind of, you know, being able to make things uh, from an engineering perspective as well. Uh, it's all kind of fed in uh, unintentionally, but there you go. Yeah, it's all kind of, you know, mapped together in, in a kind of a nice web. So talk to me about food marbles. So again, I know there's a very personal um, side and angle to to the story. And, you know, I was joking with you that um, if your now wife had have had another ailment, would you have gone down a completely different route? So do you want to share with us what that was? Yeah, so um, kind of when I was, I was working in Electroroute and you know, I'd, moved, I'd moved in with, with Grace and... Um, you know, it was only at that time I, I realized how much, to, so she had a digestive issue, uh, which turned out to be IBS. So she'd, she'd gone through a really lengthy process. And what was interesting, she, she was trying all these different, like she, she'd gotten lots of procedures. Uh, she, she'd tried different medications. And, you know, it got to a point where there's a particular medication she took and she clearly just felt a lot worse. And I suppose I wanted to see what's out there, like what from a technology perspective, if there's anything coming down the line or might be accessible that could that could help. Uh, because she'd re- like like a lot of people go through this process where they're working with, uh, you know, might be their their GP uh, and they might progress to a gastroenterologist and they get, they go through lots of testing, but ultimately there's not so much they can necessarily do for them at that point. So, you know, I still had access to the to the research literature from the PhD, so I went in and just wanted to see okay what's out there I came across breath analysis and it, like it was being used um it's been used to as part of research to see how are people digesting food and are they completely digesting you know what goes in and uh i said to myself well okay this is an interesting te- not technology they're measuring these particular molecules on the breath but you know i could see that the sensors that were coming on stream at that time could measure those things in a much smaller device. So you wouldn't need some benchtop equipment to do it, but instead you could have a, a device that somebody could use, uh, you know, with a smartphone app, you know, from the home. And, um, you know, initially it was kind of just, I, I, I went and I don't even know why I did it. Like it was kind of, I, like I wanted to help obviously, but it was sort of like kind of a crazy thing to do. I, like I, I made this prototype device and, I was using it with Grace, and it was it was pretty cool that she was able to see when she was digesting something well, she wouldn't see as much of the gas as being produced, but then when she wasn't, she'd see a lot of the gas as being produced. So even if it was a pretty basic prototype, uh, and it, like, it was actually quite difficult to use and so on, but um, y- you could see the promise there. Okay, so that was the inception of the idea. So that's what's, what's interesting to me is that you, you're engineering, which is making things effectively, or trying to <laughs> and then computer science which is kind of the computing and the tech technology what i find really interesting and then and then sorry on, on top of that you've got a medical you know issue that you're trying to circumvent so you've almost got three fields separate fields so your expertise is obviously broad but at the same time you know to make this device that you have in front of you um that you breathe into and it takes the I guess the the ratings. Can you talk to me about how you actually got that literally up and running and physically made and and yeah. So um, it, it, there's a certain point where I realized, okay, this is an interesting prototype. It seems to be useful for for Grace. Um, you know, could this be more blo- like broadly applicable to, to you know to people? And uh, you know, I started to, talking to some people. Um, we were kind of forming a team, and we applied for this accelerator program um out in china <laughs> would you believe 
Uh, so it's called Hacks, and so we got in. Like, it's it you know, it's pretty. Uh, it's a great program. Like, you know, sort of uh, people from all over the world coming to to this part of China where they make like they prototype and make like all sorts of different products. Like, this would be where like Apple made their iPhones and so on. This part of China. Um, so it's this great opportunity to be around all of these like really incredibly capable people, and to go from a working prototype to something much more like people could actually use and you could sell. Um, so that was kind of our starting point. So we got a team together, headed over to China. I mean, one of the guys, he was, all, he was actually finishing off a PhD. So on a plane, he was finishing off his thesis. And so it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. And, um, but we, 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 like we went over and we kind of, we were able to get to quite a late stage, both from the device perspective, but then also just trying to figure out how we were going to fund the thing and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so in terms of uh, the challenges around that, what were the key challenges and what were you facing? So you said you got the team together. So what what kind of attributes did you need from others apart from yourself? Yeah, so so like we, we, we got like a like an industrial design person on board. So it's for kind of, you know, uh, how the whole user experience and, and what the device would be like itself. Um, you know, we, we, we got in advisors from the medical side. Like I ended up, you know, my sister was over in... Um, she was, she was working in NYU in the US um, as a microbiologist. So I was kind of tapping her for, you know, her, her knowledge in terms of um, understanding the gut microbiome and all these kind of all these complex interactions that are occurring. And uh, she actually later was able to get her to come back to, to, to Ireland to work full time on, on a project. But yeah, so I was, I, was tr- I was trying to pull together all of these different sort of because it's kind of crazy, you know, you, you're you're. You've, you've got a software element, you've got a harder element, you've got a you're kind of a health element. And uh, so we had to pull in, you know, expertise from lots of places and, and you know, advisors from the from the clinical sites. So we got a gastroenterologist on board pretty early on. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it, it's challenging as well because, you know, like we got $100,000 or something as part of the accelerator, but like ultimately that's pretty much nothing when you're trying to, develop a kind of especially a device uh and especially in healthcare so um and talk yeah. to me about the customer validation then so you know yeah. did, where where was that point that you said right and i know there was that sort of i know it wasn't quite quite crowdfunding but you did a really interesting thing where yeah. you where you sort of put it to market without making it yeah so um you know we were, we were pretty low on 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 cash and we're kind of like okay well how are we gonna how are we gonna a figure out to people actually really want this and be you know how are we going to fund ourselves for the next little while so like we were pretty advanced in terms of the prototyping so we had some like we had something that you know kind of a works like more or less looks like sort of prototype and so we actually we set up a pre-order campaign on our website where where people could basically go on and get you know essentially get the device at a at a discount and uh, and then our promise to them would be that we we deliver that as soon as we possibly could, without a date. Yeah, well, we had it. We had a timeline, and uh, we felt we were being very conservative. But you know, as as always, these things can you know, it, it, it's it's so hard to know what's going to come. So talk to me about that. So how many orders did you get placed? And that was you said it was the US, didn't you? Like that. Well, that's so we we made it available. Um, yeah, for, first uh, first mistake, made, we made it available to everyone in the world. So we had orders from 
like islands in the Pacific and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and like it was really, really hard to get all those uh, all those units out. But we made it available. We got um we got like eight, about eight thousand pre orders. So okay. it would have been about a million dollars of of pre orders from that. Um and it like it was it was actually it worked really well for us. Um so that's kind of everyone's dream. But then if the money's coming in then how does that feel in terms of pressure? You know, because you haven't made it yet. So, <laughs> yeah. so talk to us about that journey. So at the same yeah, time, yeah. you're like, okay, the orders are here. We've got validation. Now we've got to actually build it and we've got to deliver. So what yeah. was that like? Yeah, yeah. So you kind of like, it comes to the moment where you launch the pre-orders and you kind of, you turn on the tap effectively. You make, you, you put the website live and all that stuff. And, you know, you turn on the tap and you start seeing like, orders come through like and and initially like we, we'd kind of arranged kind of press around it and so we tried to build a bit of a buzz around the launch and so we got like initially we got a, like a really big spike in sales which is which is great so we're seeing okay people want this we're we, you know we've got that sort of validation but then you're like oh no <laughs> we need to as the numbers got larger and larger you're like wow this is like hundreds and thousands and then you're kind of getting up to quite high numbers okay. <laughs> so a little bit uh, challenging so how did you what was that time frame in terms of then delivering you know and, and were there challenges around that yeah so i mean we we kind of um we initially it's funny we, we turned on pre-orders for like a week and i think after a week we just got uh we got a little freaked out by the numbers that are coming through so we turned it off actually for a little while uh so not, too, not too greedy then no <laughs> well it, it, it's it's just that kind of you know when it you, you, you don't want to kind of have this, this huge amount of pre-orders because then like how are you going to be able to deliver those so we we had it going for a while that was kind of um i think it was late 2016 and and then we kind of we turned it back on again uh in 2017 when we we're kind of things were a little more we did more clarity around the timeline and then um so we kept we kept it, the, the pre-orders going for a little while and we started to ship out then early 2018 um and kind of um which was great it was important as uh for and it actually worked out really well we uh we got to see kind of as we shipped out small amounts of devices we got to see how are people responding to them and and make little changes and and you know we chipped them out by the end of um towards the end of 2018 and then we uh we kind of just went on regular sale then basically at the end of 2018 and so that journey talk to me about you know kind of the issue around resilience you you've you've gone from an idea a concept trying to solve a problem that is an everyday problem for a lot of people to then delivering so in that journey you know were there times when you were questioning what were you doing should you have done this could grace have had another illness could you picked a more difficult organ (laughs) yeah 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 so resilience and kind of an inner self-belief like what what kept you going and what was it the passion for what and the purpose yeah i mean that like that's that's always going to be a big part of it I, i it's funny you kind of you end up um doubling down and you keep doubling down so it's funny you you kind of uh you launch pre-orders you get to pre-orders you you know you you start to kind of um hire people uh you like you've raised more money and then everything kind of gets bigger and bigger um and and so like that's just kind of the way it is but you can't really sort of i suppose you just need to address like okay a where are we trying to get to and b what are the next steps? Uh, like, you know, if you kind of considered all of the kind of everything that could possibly go wrong, you'd never get started in the first place. <laughs> yeah. You, so the important thing, I guess, is to just 
start and, and go and figure it out as you you know it is part of that journey isn't it yeah. kind of you, problems that you can't foresee and things that will happen yeah exactly and, and, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy and it's insane and you know it's sort of uh it'd be much easier to just kind of do a regular job but you know it's uh it, it's the sort of thing where like something like this you know, I, I don't necessarily know if somebody else would have done it or, you know, some other, like the medical device companies, uh, like these, these issues, these kind of really common digestive issues like IBS and kind of things where they're pretty complex. It's, it's, it's you know, the science is only starting to really become a bit clearer. Um, you know, a lot of kind of more traditional medical device companies just kind of stay away from this sort of stuff. They don't want to get involved in something excessively complicated and have you had support from the medical you know field yeah so so we kind of, we um well we, we started from this sort of a device to help people kind of go through the process themselves we like it became pretty clear clear at an early stage that this is something that's very applicable in healthcare so with gastroenterologists and other specialists um so like Excuse me. Like breath testing is used uh, quite wi- like quite widely in healthcare. Um, it's still like it's still pretty small. Like it, it can get way bigger, but um, you know we could see that demand there, and you know it's something we could see a route to making it a very you know very successful business in the US. So um, because it kind of a lot of the groundwork was there in terms of there's a regulatory framework, there was, um, you know, there's a reimbursement pathway. Um, and it is FDA approved, isn't it? Like it was, you, you went yeah, down the US so, route because so, of that. Yes, it is. Yeah. So the device I have here in my hand, this is an FDA class one device. Okay. Um, so we were able to get set up with the FDA. We were able to kind of go through those motions and, and then from, from the clinician's point of view, they were able to start using the device, um, you know, for slightly different purposes than what like kind of um, individuals are using it for. But they could use it with their patients and they could see that they, they could get, um, you know, uh, that it was covered by health insurance as well. So it like it all started to kind of line up from from that kind of from the healthcare side, too. OK, super. I want to just kind of take a, a moment now and look at the funding. So um, bootstrapped, you've got that the hacks you know which was a, a bit of a lifeline and then obviously you got the pre-orders so you know the journey of funding has it been challenging and, and where are you at now yeah no it, like it's it's probably the most difficult challenge for for you know most companies i think um the you know for us on the back of the pre-orders we got interest from from vcs and we you know we did a, a seed round kind of that was late 2018 uh we got that we got that in and um you know we've we've had had investment kind of like kind of on a fairly continuous basis kind of through the process um but it is like it is certainly kind of it is very difficult to sort of um especially when you're trying to like for us we're trying to do something really really big it affects a lot of people um and so kind of the more capitalized you are the better and uh but yeah we've been able to sort of we've been able to manage where like we're at a point where there's a lot of a lot of you know interest we're generating you know significant revenues uh, so we're, we're we're not like we're approaching break even at the moment so we're not as dependent on kind of raising lots of money but uh you know there there's the, the opportunity is much bigger like some of the stuff coming out of research we're doing where this device being applicable 
it, you know, for lots of other conditions. Yeah, innovations around it or a diversification of, yeah. the, of the process, yeah. Yeah, so if we could raise more money, there's a lot more we could do for okay. sure. Super. Well, just uh, to bring John feeling in. So as a, an, invest, an investor expert, um, you know, what are investors looking at when they're investing in a company? And, um, you know, in your experience, what is it that they really do want to see? I think there's traditionally there's the there's the team that's that's the one you always back yeah and the resilience of that team and everything the, the story we're just hearing now from Angus is fascinating and I guess um, just listening to the story there and then sort of having been engaged at some stages along the way I think we were talking earlier on that we first met we did a HBAN investor gig in London and out of that I think we got some investors we had some from the US we had some from from Ireland we had. And I think what always ha- what always came across to me there is that it was quite an unusual medical device opportunity, <laughs> in that it was a consumer product as well, and and that was confusing quite a few people. And it, is that a fair comment? Yeah, yeah, no, it like it's sort of uh, <laughs> whatever about the complexities of like you know uh, software, hardware, uh, health. When you're when you're kind of when it's both kind of something that's available to consumers and you're you're making available to healthcare, they're very, you know they're very different pathways. Uh, but like we've, it's something that we've seen more and more where there's just so much overlap in that. Like healthcare is becoming much more there's much more of a kind of a trend towards consumerism, and um, and we're seeing where for a lot of the people coming in from like to our website, in a lot of cases. You know, it makes sense for them to see a doctor first. So we've ways then of being able to channel people towards a, a clinician, and then after somebody's finished with a clinician, you know, if, if they're a process where okay, they, they've been able to diagnose some things, they've been able to work through some things with the clinician, but is there a longer term sort of self management process there? So we kind of see where people start to transition back. Uh, so yeah, it's a weird model, and that. It definitely makes it harder to raise money because you know you've got some investors who they they understand healthcare but they're kind of scared of consumer and then some who are all consumer and they're like oh healthcare that looks scary and, and complicated and in fact actually the FDA part sort of scared them as well because you were doing yeah. consumer play so so it was a complex selling yeah. that you were doing uh, on on multiple fronts so I mean well done on that so I think going back to what your question is is what are people looking for they're looking for an easy story and the easy story is is that you're 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 selling a device which does the breath analysis for you and it's all very easy and simple and yeah. they, and you just sell it to people and that's it right but it's obviously not nowhere near as simple as that. There's a huge amount of science that goes behind it, which the efficacy behind the research needs to be proven and validated. So that's 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 that technology piece needs to be validated. But then there's the commercialization of that technology because we see an awful lot of good technology that's just put on the shelf because people can't sell it because they don't know what the narrative is, they don't know what the story is, they don't have the commercial team that go with it. So when you're looking at the team, you're looking at a rounded team, you're looking at a team that has the commercial uh, capabilities to sell the stuff, but you have to have the technical people who can actually make it as well. And they have to have their operations team and you've got to have the back office team. So it's, it's complex. They, do you think it was a benefit that they had validation in terms of customer validation, that they had sales and Well, know, I always remember traction. the first thing hearing that, that these guys have sold a million yeah. um, through pre-sales. I thought, that's ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> so, I mean, it, so that's a good validation from a number of different points. One, technically, yeah, you haven't even got it off the ground yet. Mm. Uh, you've got, a, you've got a, an MVP, which is mm. all you need. But the fact that you went out there and sold up 
nearly a million bucks worth of, of pre-sales. Mm. That was really, that was cool. And I think that gave a lot of people a lot of confidence. And almost that complexity you're talking about, it would have been easier if it wasn't direct to consumers as well as then the medical. It's, the fact that you had the consumers buying actually enabled you to kind of scale up. So yeah, well, it was a... Yeah, like a lot of our revenues ultimately have came to this date via via the consumer and it has supported the business in a, in a, in a major way. And, uh, you know, in a, like... Like it would be substantially easier to just do a medical device to clinicians and so on, but you know, uh, I suppose for us, like a big part of what we do is we do believe in kind of making the technology as accessible as possible. The medical device part is really just the U.S. It, like it is, you know, it's so Europe it, at the moment is in a challenging place when it comes to medical devices. So new medical devices aren't really coming through uh, so much anymore, unfortunately, but. Um, you know the consumer opportunity that that we make it possible for people, you know, almost anywhere to to get a device. So I just have one question. So yeah. I was interested about the name. Yes. So f- where did that come from? And also, does it limit you, or is it something that you can adapt? So food marble. What? What? Because initially, <laughs> I was kind of unsure what that meant, and it could mean so many things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't want to like sound like I was on LSD or something when I came up with it or <laughs> but it's um like like I, I guess in my head I was, I was thinking you know we've got this we've got this product where people are able to measure all of these all of this data about how they're digesting food and and all of it's coming together to a central place where we can really crunch what's happening and start to understand trends between people because it like it's so digestive health is so individual um, so it really helps to get data from lots of sources to really understand what different categories of people are like and how they digest food. So in my mind, I had this sort of almost like this marvel, you know, it's almost like the planet or something, but, you know, this kind of central place where the data comes in and, and, and that we're able to send send out insights. Um, and you've used that at Lycon, haven't you? On the Yeah, so, yeah, so there's a marble on there. Um, you know, it's interesting afterwards we realise, you know, like when you think of a marble, all of them are unique, right? So, and it, it's a nice analogy for the, for the gut because, like, ev- like even twins, even identical twins, very different, you know, gut yeah. microbiomes, and and it just means that everyone's so different, and you know, one size fits all just doesn't work. One interesting thing you'd said to me was, what was the percentage of people with? digestive issues i mean there's it's 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 really quite extensive isn't it yeah yeah i like when you think about it like there's a there's a survey done in the u.s um across a large amount of people uh, as about i think it was sixty thousand people and this was just regular people this is just kind of you know a snapshot of of the population and they were asking in the last week did you have any of these digestive symptoms and you know, you were seeing where, like, the, the numbers worked out that it was something like 60% of people had at least one of the symptoms. But, like, any of the given symptoms is about a quarter of, of, of people. So these are really widespread issues. They don't get too much kind of awareness necessarily because, you know, they can be embarrassing sometimes for people. But they're, they're really common issues. And it kind of, it changes over time. So so you might be fine, uh, you know, in your, your 20s or whatever. And then, you know, you might, like... A lot of stuff gets triggered by food poisoning. For example, somebody has somebody gets gastroenteritis, and afterwards their digestion never recovers. Yeah. So, so they can go through, um, 
you know, they might go through, you know, a year or two at least of where they have something actually quite like IBS. And um, so, yeah, for us, like what we're trying to build towards is where you've got a tool that could be your lifetime companion in terms of digestive health and, and kind of as, 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 you, as your body changes that, you know, you can adjust to that and see how I could change my diet and how okay. I can adapt. You mentioned then iterations of this. So are you looking beyond the gut? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's loads of interesting applications, like, you know, a really clear application is where, for example, when it comes to skin, um, you know, the the particular type of digestive issue is called SIBO. And uh, it's actually found where people have, um, where people have these issues, you know, it can be a, a good fraction of them, it actually comes down to what's happening in their gut. So, if you, so if you if you, like say for example there's a study done with rosacea which is a pretty common uh, issue kind of reddening of the face and um in 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 the study they 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 tested people for this condition SIBO and everyone who came up as having SIBO they treated them for SIBO to to kind of eradicate the issue and all of those people the skin issue cleared up which is, and so there's examples of this, like you know, it, it can it can relate to stuff like acne and some of these other conditions, and <clears throat> and so we like you know often it's where the skin reflect can reflect what's happening inside the gut, and um, but there's other issues like we're seeing where some of these gut related issues can can relate to metabolic issues uh, like diabetes and obesity, they can relate to. Um, like there's some really interesting research on on progression of heart disease and and what's happening in the digestive tract so okay. we want to build up um you know this this stuff out there in the academic literature we want to build on that and show okay with our device if you're able to track some of these biomarkers we're measuring can that be useful for you know in clinical practice okay it sounds fascinating and also you're obviously so passionate about it and tell me has grace benefited then after all of this so yeah well, it's funny you know i don't think this is is necessarily realistic for everyone with uh, digestive issues but she's at a point now where um she seems to be more or less completely desensitized to different foods so um <clears throat> like she like she can eat like she could never in the past eat like large amounts of onions or garlic or or you know um, milk or like dairy products but you know now she's she's in a much better place and um i think that's what we want to aspire that anyone who who's you know working using our device they can get to a point where um you know their problems are basically you know much improved okay super okay just to take a step back so i just want to ask you you know you're kind of on your journey you know are there any you know lessons advice that you would offer others kind of coming through in starting up a business with an idea concept you know that you've that you've learned and seen yourself yeah yeah um like i think i think a big one always comes back to just that initial kind of founding team and just kind of trying to identify like um you know who's somebody who's who are some people you trust and you can work with and um and that that can be iterative you know you can find you start working with people and maybe it's not working out and you kind of make changes um but you know once the team is strong you can usually kind of find a way um and then you're supporting each other i guess in the journey and you're you've all different skill sets and it can yeah, help exa- marry yeah exactly together. exactly yeah it's tricky because you kind of you you what you, you want people who are kind of 
they've got other capabilities, so you're not just kind of uh, all kind of fulfilling a similar role. Um, but can I ask yeah. you where where is your focus now? So I mean, you 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 have the tech, you've got the engineering, you've you know yeah. Where where do you position yourself in the company? Obviously, a CEO, but where is your strength now? Yeah, like like a lot of it is kind of figuring out where we should go from here. Okay, and so, so the vision. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So yeah, on that then, what what is the plan? Yeah, like I think a lot of it is about kind of understanding um, some of these other applications we can use. Um, like we like you know, digestive health is huge and it's a really big problem. So we're trying to understand, well, how do we kind of progress through, like we like what we've done so far in healthcare is really small, but like it can be really really big. Like it's it's it, it's a it's you know there's. 140 billion dollars spent a year on in, in gastroenterology in the US and you know there's a real opportunity for us to help a lot of people there but then also like reduce the amount that's spent in in, in like just just savings that we can we can help uh um provide there uh, I think we look we look more broadly as well like I said I mean you know you look at some of these other disorders where um the device can be useful so we're trying to understand um you know like you know how how we provide extra validation for those sorts of approaches and and how can that be implemented but like we're doing a thing at the moment where from from the you know from the self-management perspective so for people who buy the device through foodmarble.com we're like deepening the the program we can bring people through so we want to like because we have a whole range of people coming in the front door in terms of using the device we want to be able to do as much as we can for as broad a range of people as possible. And it's been pretty cool to see, like, we, you know, we, we're doing a piece of research with uh, some guys out in Mass General in Boston, where we've looked at our data set over, you know, that we've been able to gather so far. And we can start to see some of the, you know, some of what kind of makes people similar or what clu- clusters that people fall into. And uh, and really, what is the best way to help different categories of people through a process? So we're just trying to make it. We're just trying to make the process we bring through as generally applicable and as ultimately as uh, as powerful as possible. I think your passion is so evident. I I I'm just curious. You know, do you see yourself with Food Marble? Is this your baby? Is this it? Is this your one true love? Well, apart from Grace, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, are you going to exit or what's your what's your long term plan? I mean, you know, we'll 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 see, we'll see how tr- things progress. There's much more, much more to be done, and and you know, we can uh, like there's a, there's a lot more scope to develop this further. It probably comes to a point where you know you get other people involved and people who are better, you know, suited at different stages. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll 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 see how far we can take it as the current team, but it's. Uh, no, it's exciting the years ahead. So, Angus, thank you so much for coming in. And honestly, your passion and the journey that you've been on, what you've achieved to date has been absolutely fascinating. Your route to market is something that's quite unique. Just really excited to see what you guys do in the future. And I think you've helped so many people and will continue to do so. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us. Thanks also to John Phelan as well for coming in for his uh, expertise on investment. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, You've been listening to the Further With Founders podcast. I am Dr. Rosalind Beer. I'm looking forward to you joining us on our next episode.